everybody good evening and welcome to another episode of miller time i am your host pastor cedric miller i am so happy to be with you tonight i see so many of you are on so glad to see you or at least to be seen by you amen the lord is indeed great and greatly to be praised it was so great seeing so many of you in the house of the lord uh this past sunday oh what a wonderful time it was and even those of you that i saw um, at the wedding and at the reception. Thank you so much. It's so great to have people that aren't just church members, but are indeed family. So we're grateful to you. Thank you for being with us tonight. For those of you that's joining us for the first time, this is not a church service. And as a result, there probably will not be any altar calls and there will not be any exegeting of any text. We will just share our thoughts on what's going on in our world today, kind of. Um, and because it's not a church service, it's an opinion program, we want you to be clear that this is just one person's opinion. Um, it's not like on Sundays or on Thursdays when I'm attempting to the best of my ability to preach forth the word of God as it is written. This is purely my opinion. I believe the Lord is in it. I do. Um, and if I didn't, I probably wouldn't say it. However, I want to be very clear that it's an opinion. So do not write me because you disagree with my opinion. However, if you're passionate about something and can respectfully communicate that, I would love to hear from you, even when you disagree. Amen. So we can uh, break bread together. and We can talk that we can uh, be an example to the world as, as to what it is for Christians to live together. And even if you're a non-Christian, if you're just a civilized person with a disagreement, I'd like to hear from you also so we can share. All right, come, let us reason together, the Bible says. So thank you. All right, I said it's not a church service, but we are Christians through and through. We're paper Bible saved people. We love Jesus with everything we have, and we don't even want to do anything that he's not invited into. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. We honor you. We glorify your holy name. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in us. I pray even now that you would speak to us, even as we share our thoughts, that you would give us wisdom in all that we say and do. Father, we glorify you and we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, today is a different kind of militant, right? Today is a different. There are lots going on in the news and some of the things I want to talk about and I'm going to put that at the front of the broadcast because I do not want to end tonight's broadcast with all of the craziness in our world. I want to end tonight's broadcast on a different note, a note of thanksgiving and gratitude to our God. And I want to, I want to end it on a note of mature people who do not need God to answer every prayer, 
to be thankful. Let me let me phrase that another way. I know it's not a church service, but we still need to be theologically correct as much as possible. I'm talking about mature people who do not need everything to turn out the way they want it to in order to be thankful. I want to end this on a note of people that are saying, even though everything did not work in my favor, we trust the God that we serve that he knows all things best. And as a result, we still have much to be thankful for, right? So that's where I wanna to end tonight. But I need to jump into the news right away and all that is going on in our world. All right, so let's dive straight in. Dive straight in, no, dive straight in, all right. Now, I wanna talk for about 30 seconds, maybe it's 60 on the Build Back Better bill that's currently um in the hands of the senate now I, I i i try not to talk too much about it d you got that right that same attitude right there that hallelujah anyhow that the old folk had right yes um i i, I hesitate to talk about the build back better bill because now that it is in the hands of the senate because we don't know what that group of patriots will do to it before it comes out right we have no idea so let me just say this about the whole Build Back Better bill. One thing you need to think about as you assess and listen to all the pros and the cons. Um, I am still on my two week hiatus from the news, but um, I decided to read some of what's going on in, in, in the Fox News world just to hear some of the thoughts. And this is where this came from. The more I read, the more disheartened I got, and the more I fought off the feeling. I mean, the more I fought to, to, to keep the feeling off or the thought process that my fellow Republican colleagues are just intrinsically evil. And I'll tell you why. Do you know? Hey, Sonia, how are you? Haven't seen you in a while. How's Big Marv? Listen, do you know that under the Trump tax cuts and the way things are lined up, which is the current state of the IRS, you are more likely to be audited by the IRS if you get the earned income credit than you are if you have capital gains and taxable profits from things like stocks and bonds and other securities or making profits from a business. In other words, let me say it another way, you are more likely, you are more likely to be audited if you're just a lower, to, to lower, not upper lower or to, to lower middle class person, possibly with a child, right? I think with a child and getting that little bump from the earned income credit, you are more likely to be audited by the IRS than if you're somebody that's out there trading stocks every day and making tens of thousands of dollars in a week or in a month. Go figure, right? 
the Build Back Better plan, from everything I've read, gives tax cuts to the middle class and is possibly paid for. You'll hear people on the left and other Democrats saying it's completely paid for. My research from everything I've read doesn't seem as if um, <laughs> as if that's completely the case, right? Um, but it's possibly paid for. In other words, we're not just tacking on debt, right? Now, there's some discrepancies from the CBO score and others about what this does to the deficit and so forth. So, but let's just be let's just be clear. All these conservative deficit hawks that are so concerned about the deficit, the deficit, the debt, the debt, the debt, um, passed the Trump tax plan that added more to the deficit than any any other president in our lifetime, and there was not even one squawk from them. They supported it for the most part wholeheartedly. But just stay with me here for a minute. This, this Build Back Better plan possibly will have zero Republican support in the Senate. In other words, it's quite possible that all 52 Senate Republicans most of whom supported the Trump tax cuts, where 83% of the tax cuts went to the top 70% with no way of paying for it. And they did it in Jesus' name. They did it with the full support of the church. They did it with, 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 with the John Hagees of the world and others in full support just looking the other way as if absolutely nothing is going on. Their tax cuts gave 83% of the benefit to the top 7% of the country. And now they're saying we have to be fiscally responsible. Here's my issue with that. These guys are convinced that you're idiots, right? They're convinced that the American electorate are such idiots or, or you know where I'm going with this, or they believe not that you're idiots, but they offer you something more. They're offering you something that's even more important than passing on debt to the future generation, something more important than, than um, overtaxing the wealthy and like D said, take the target off the rich and put it on the poor. They, you know, they know you care about those things, but they know in their minds that they're offering you something that's more important than all that. Oh, who cares? Deficit, deficit. Who, who cares about any of that, right? They know that so many of us church going individuals, as much as we may care about deficit, and things of that nature, they know that there's one thing that we care about more. And as long as they're promising us that, they feel that they have a blank check to write for any other thing and pass any other heinous policy. You explain to me, you explain to me how the former president still has the support of the evangelical church after what he did with the babies at the border. Yeah, Ex explain how that works. How, how do God-fearing Christian people 
who grew up in Sunday school singing, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Remember that red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. That group of people somehow are able to look the other way and say, ah, one senator said it best, it's not our children. Because of course, if you read the American Bible, you realize that Jesus only loved the little white children of America. Teresa, you, you, you're, you're making the very point I'm trying to make. How do these Republicans go out and come up with a multi-trillion dollar tax bill that really supports the top wealthiest, largest high earners in the country and are supported by the Bible Belt, which is some of the poorest areas in the country? In other words, they're saying we're going to form, uh, 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 we're going to put a tax bill out here that will put more burdens on you, that will add more debt to your house, will take money out your household, give you less chance of sending your children to, to, to college, make sure that your standard of living never improves. We're going to do all that for you. We're going to do all that to you. But we know that there's something else we offer that would make you just take it. You know that saying, you look up and think it's rain. If you don't know, ask somebody. Please ask. I can't say it on air. Why? How can you do something that just hurts me and hurts my family and hurts my future? Something else has to be so much more important. There, there has to be a pearl of great price that you're offering that I'm willing to forego my future for leads me to my next point. Where am I with time? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Sonia said, Sonia Carter says, most Republicans in rural areas vote vote against their own issues or or, uh, against their own interests. I believe that's the point she's trying to make. Listen to what I'm saying. Not really. They vote possibly against their own economic interest, but they will vote in favor of their own racial interest. That's what I've been telling y'all all all this time, that all of us, especially, (laughs) especially those of us that name the name of Jesus must determine out front who we are first. You understand me? We must determine who we are first. And the only way this works, the only way we honor the Lord, the only way we please God is when we're not black, white, Republican, Democrat, or any of the sort, that we are Christians first. We name the name of Jesus first and we put pleasing the Lord above all else. So they're not voting against their own interests. It's just that the priority of their interests is not what you think it is. You know, food, Racial superiority. Uh, maybe we can do ramen. Uh. <laughs> uh. 
let's move on because nobody want to talk about this. You know, we, we have the conversation all the time. Why are these people in these cold areas? Why are they still so behind the former president? Not one cold job came back. Not one is coming back. Um, in West Virginia, uh, Joe Manchin country, um, we see him investing in coal, making big money out of coal, knowing that coal is is yesterday's you know, yes, the year's energy and so forth and so on. So he's he's double dipping, he's on the take, and he's voting for his own interest. But he's doing all he can to make sure certain lives don't matter. I have a question for you. I'm trying to make this in half an hour so I can jump right to Thanksgiving. My one question tonight, and this is where I want to end before we go into our time of Thanksgiving. And while we're thinking about it, I want you to start thinking about the one or two things that you have most to be thankful for, right? All right, so follow me here. Here's the question I have. Would somebody, as the old folks used to say, for the love of God, explain to me, why are we as Americans such a violent people? Excuse me. I've been pondering. I ponder a lot. Any ponderers? <laughs> I am a ponderer. Isn't that a song? Or is it I'm a wanderer? All right. Whatever the song is, I'm a ponderer. Right? And um, I ponder a lot of things. And I found myself all this week trying to come to terms with why are we so violent? Right? We, we have become religiously violent. If you look at the fervor which with we are becoming violent, it's religious. He says it's greed. Um, the kind of violence that you're seeing in America now, you would expect from a Muslim extremist country with insurgents and, and different... Um... <laughs> yeah, I remember you remember years where America's violence was just blamed on rap music, right? America is getting to the point now that rap music will be mainstreamed on Sunday morning at church. Right? Why are we so violent? Um, now, many factors, many factors may be responsible for this, but uh, allow me to, to, to ponder out loud. I told you, I am a ponderer. And, and, and let me just jump back in there. You know, that whole thing about rap music and so forth and so on. Um, people were complaining about rap music. Now, I, I don't listen to rap music. I never have, right? I don't know any rap song. If I know a rap song, it's from the Papa San album, right? I don't listen to rap song. I didn't allow rap music to play in our home. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not sending anybody to hell over it. Um, but I don't I don't listen to rap. So if you see me like at a party or something, don't worry about me knowing any of the words. I won't. If <laughs> if I know any words, I probably heard it from Kyle, but that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway. Despite our best attempt, here, here, here are my surmisings, right? 
That's word number two. First, I'm a ponderer. Now I'm a surmiser. Here are my surmisings about why America is so violent. Number one, despite our best attempt to whitewash our history, and now we're crucifying or whitewashing our history on the altar of critical race theory. Make no bones about it. We were birthed as a nation violently. And I think if truth is told, have always been a violent people. You would be hard pressed. Y'all have no ideas the amount of emails I'm going to get from what I'm talking about right now. You have no idea, right? Um, we were birthed in violence, and the fruit normally looks like the root. <laughs> and as far as spiritual things are concerned, unless as long as we're still building monuments to the root and not calling it for what it is, we will always be a violent people. You heard it here first. Yo, Robbie, how are you, son? No, that's Robin. I'm sorry. I saw B and an R. All right. At my age, they come together. Robin, good to hear from you, baby. You've been MIA. Call the pastor sometimes. All right. Now, The fruit normally looks like the root. We can't be birthed in violence. And as a country, we haven't even been willing to reckon with our history and our founding and to deal with it. You know, I said this the other day and somebody says, well, you know, I don't know if that's okay to say. Let me be very clear. Um, we were founded by some evil geniuses, right? Some more evil than others. And I could be biased on this. I am a big Abraham Lincoln fan. I read a lot of everything he's written and said, and it, and I've watched him evolve. You don't have to take that for gospel. The scripture didn't endorse Abraham Lincoln. This is just this preacher talking again, right? Okay, so stay with me now. Um, the fruit normally look like the root, except for some divine intervention. So we will always look like our root as long as we're still building monuments to our history. And even, you know, this this thing in America that we have to figure out how to deal with it, because even the worst of us and the worst parts of our history, you can always find several million people in America that's willing to commemorate it and build monuments to it and celebrate it and 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 fight like hell if you tried to take it from us or downplay it from us. You know, if if you look at like if you think of like how Germany handled the Holocaust, right? Germany just said. This is an evil part of us. We can't, we can't wipe it out, but no remnants of it will be allowed to be to be mainstreamed in normal society, right? Germany has free speech, but you don't get to, to say Heil Hitler. Germany has free speech, but you don't get to just freely go around with a swastika and act like nothing wrong, right? They 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 kind of like repented, said this was evil, we'll be done with this, we have absolutely nothing to do with it. Now, in America, clearly we realize it wasn't as dead as we thought because it took um, somebody with a one step above a GED 
to become president and just wake this thing backing up somebody who got on the air for five for four years and used five words and 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 you know and we were just thinking this is wonderful just like a paper hanger tricked germany that's what hate does it makes you stupid right so that's like a paper hanger tricked germany into thinking that the jews were the problem and they needed to get rid of we got somebody who possibly cheated on the ged and 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 came in and and got america to this point that we just want to go back and says listen let's make it great again let's 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 take it back to what it was and because the remnants of it the fruit of it the seeds of it you know the children of it had never been eradicated from american society we found out that tens of millions of americans missed the good old days and of those tens of millions of them many of them go to church every sunday and some of them put on a collar on sundays some of them stand behind the sacred desk on sundays but never really dealt with that thanks g and to all of you here that went out and got a GED that I am comparing your intelligence to the former president, I apologize. That is not my intention. I will not do that to you. I am so sorry. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But we want to build monuments to our evil. So there's no denouncing of it. You got a whole section of the country, the most religious part of the country, that want to celebrate it and want to build monuments. That says, how dare you take our history from us. You know what that's like? Let me tell you what that's like. That's like saying, Uncle Petey is the family pedophile, right? And you turn around and you say, well, you know, what Uncle Petey did was wrong. What Uncle Petey did was evil. But I just don't think it's fair that Uncle Petey can't go playing with the little kids in the back of the barn by himself. Because he's still our uncle and he need to be treated fairly. So, one, we've always been violent. It's our, it's our root. Secondly, secondly, you tracking with me? I hope you followed me here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of surmisings and ponderings tonight. All right. Uh, I believe that one of the reasons that we're such a violent country, and, and I think this is even as important, maybe even more important than the first reason I gave. One of the reasons we're such a violent people, and here's the, here's the catch of it, because historically, historically, we have always married our violent patriotism with our Christianity. So the shift into hating with religious fervor was a natural one. Let me say that again, that's a lot. And you probably never heard me say this before. You've heard me say it in many ways, but not this straightforward. So let me just be very clear. America at large has always married our violent patriotism. It's one of the reasons why we being supposedly one of the most Christian nations in the world, right? It's one of the reasons 
why are we being the most progressive nation in the free world, supposedly, and the most Christian nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles. That's why we're the, one of the reasons why we are one of the only countries in the free world whose national anthem is violent. Because we always have believed as a people that might makes right. And because we were mightier, it meant that God was with us. So we can marry the Star Spangled Banner with God Bless America. And we can make patriotism to our country a religious virtue. And because of that, when we found ways to Christianize our crusades, we become religiously and passionately violent and hateful. And I think in many ways, don't know where our nationalistic supremacist fervor ends and our Christianity begins. I guarantee you right now, if you talk to a lot of the people who are feeling this need to take our country back, and they look at me and say, we need to take it back. I don't know how much of it I got, but um, if you talk to those people, they believe that God is on their side. I listened to um, Matt, not Matt Gates, the other crazy senator, the one that had his hand up on January 6th, not Matt Gates. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, oh, what's the boy's name? The young senator, the newest one, very crazy. Um, however, he was talking today about um, the loss of manhood, and he was talking about the whole issue of, um, you know, that's why men are relegating themselves to video games, and and it, it's it's incumbent upon Republicans to bring back manhood and alpha malehood and and so forth and so on. That's why men are so steeped in video games and and um, and pornography and so forth because of the uh, the neutering of men. And we need to bring back. That's why people have a problem with these patriots. Josh, yeah, that's his name. Holly, I think his name is, is it Holly. Yes. Uh, that's going out. And that's why America have a problem with these um, men from January 6th, these alpha male from Charlottesville and so forth and so on. We don't know what to do with them because we're, we, we've so mad. And, and, and he has a point, but it's a very perverted point, right? It's, a, it's an extremely perverted point. Um, breaking the law and hurting people is not male, is evil. It's demonic, sir. It's that's what demon possessed people do. Um, it's 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 nothing male about it. You want to be a good man, 
Let me tell you, let me define what bringing back manhood is all about. Bringing back manhood says we, we create systems that urge men to stay home. Bringing back manhood say we make it a virtue again to take care of your family and that your wife dwells securely knowing that you got business handled. Bringing back manhood is that our wives can testify that they've been with us a long time and have never been demeaned, never been uh, dehumanized, never been talked down to, always encouraged and always lifted up and having somebody that supports them and supports their right to become all that God has called them to be. That, that, that's, what, that's what being a man is all about. Being a man is to make sure our wives and children know we're coming home every day and we're coming straight home every day, sir. It's not about taking an ax and joining a far right movement and decide you're going to kill and shoot and pillage. What, what is this, the caveman era, you numbskull? This is just nuts. This is absolutely nuts. So call it what you want. But again, as you know, this is America, and he's only doing that because Joe Biden's number on with men jumped up 9% than even Barack Obama's number. And as a result, not from Barack Obama, but in the 2016 election. So now it's time to get back men on their side. So this is the nonsense. And again, he's assuming that you're stupid. Maybe many of us are. Now. We have become such an evil people. We've become so violent, so absolutely violent that this pains me to talk about. Yes, he also said, he says, be armed, be dangerous, be moral. You see, you see that marriage again? You know, I would love to do a whole session on, on marriage sometime. Um, remember Love American Style? I want to do a session on marriage Bible style. Bible style. I think we have a whole lot of other things that we need to talk about in terms of teaching men how to be men. You know, teach men, men, men need to learn how to uh, dwell with their wives as the weaker vessel and not the weaker in terms of how much she can bench or, or her emotional strength but weaker in the terms of being China, right? It's, it's precious and it should be treated and handled a certain way. Don't be silly and get caught up because I use the word handled either. Grow up, come on, let's not do that, not on here. All right, this is not Instagram, this is military. All right, men, men <laughs> we need to have some real issues. Men are struggling, men are really struggling. Right? We don't have the right to, to go work as hard as we need to anymore because we have more domestic issues at home. That's what we need to talk about. Those kind of stuff. You know, I pride myself. I pride myself on the fact that my, <laughs> my wife knows I'm coming home and all my money's coming home. That's manhood. Um, I pride myself on the fact that my wife knows that if she chose not to work, we would not starve because I would take as many jobs as possible to make sure she's okay. I'm grateful that she does work, but if she decided not to, I will have to do what I have to do. And I will know that God has called me to do that. And he would back me and help me to do that. That's, that's, what, that's what being man is about. Being man says, 
I can run my house. And those of you that know me, I run my house and I run my house without needing to be mean, raise my voice or any of the sort. I barely did it with my children. Why would I do it to my wife? That's what we need to talk about. I have digressed so far. I'm going to need a GPS to get back on subject. But that just rubbed me the wrong way. And since this is Miller time, I can digress. I don't need homiletics here tonight. Let me just share my heart with you. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to that. You know, I think about when we were coming up, and I'm not saying this is a model for you, right? When we were coming up, when my uh, when our kids were being raised, I missed a lot. I'm not highlighting that or making that something great. I missed a lot because I was an auditor and I was traveling all over the country um, <laughs> um, doing audits. And many times there were two and three weeks at a time. And Kim had to hold it down on her own. And she pulled it off. Now, again, I'm not making this a model. But I was determined, I don't care what happened, I was going to take care of my family. I changed, um, I think I changed Danielle a couple of times. I didn't do much changing diapers. Didn't have much domestic chores to do. You've never seen me sling a diaper bag across my shoulder in the middle of service, heading to the bathroom, change a child. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I am not knocking that whatsoever. But if we're going to deal with this issue of manhood, let's just deal with it from a mature biblical place and not get into this machismo, overbearing nonsense where our children, where our wives become one step above the pet poodle that we get to yell and boss and, and, and all that other. Ah, you want to be a real man, sir? Uh, let your house be a great place to be. Let it be a place where love flourishes and God is love and God is alive. That's what you want. That's what you want. All right. I don't have time for all that tonight, but okay. We have gotten to be so evil. Robin said, I like that China analogy. It is. That's what the Bible says. If you, if those of you that are students of the word, when the Bible said we should dwell with the wife as to the weaker vessel, it's not about how much she bench presses or, or, or that she's emotionally weak or or whatever the case that that's uh, that's <laughs> you know it's not it's not the way somebody said my son is one of them I just got him to realize that Kevin Samuels is not a healthy source of info well I told you this is not a church service but I also told you that we were Christians so I am not going to comment on Kevin Samuels. <laughs> But that's not a good source of information. Now that you're trying to learn real manhood. Now, let, let me move right along. Two Republicans are reported to want to offer Kyle Rittenhouse an internship on Capitol Hill. Two, Don Jr. says he was masterful in how he handled his AR-15 on the fateful day when he shot three people and killed two. Others have asked people to support an organization called Gun Owners of America who have pledged to gift Kyle Rittenhouse a new AR-15 as a thank you gift. And Don Jr. again came out, asked people to sign and support this organization for, give, for doing such a nice patriotic gesture by giving Kyle Rittenhouse a new AR-15. 
Kyle Rittenhouse have now become the poster child. Listen to me very carefully. I'm going to help you if you pay attention. Kyle Rittenhouse have now become the poster child for white grievance. White grievance, by definition, is the belief that white dominance and white innocence is under siege or under attack and must be defended. Let me say it again. White grievance is the belief that white dominance and white innocence is under siege and must be defended. That's what this kid was doing. And if all that isn't enough, all of these people that are supporting crazy organizations and white nationalist organizations and white supremacist organizations, all these people supporting those organizations still have the support in Congress of the John Hagees of the world and the white evangelical world. These people that are supporting this stuff, that are thinking this way, that Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero that should be applauded for, you know, you start listening to this stuff and you think to yourself, not only is the nation gone crazy, but the church has also flown the coop. I heard another excuse that stated that according to the laws in Wisconsin, the right verdict was reached. Let me say it again. According to the laws in Wisconsin, the, white, the right verdict was reached. These are bad laws that need to be changed. And I quote, two observations. Oh, I'm running out of time. All right, I'm, I'm going to get 15 minutes of Thanksgiving. Listen, two observations. Just follow me here. An underage teenager grabs his AR-15, runs to his mom, throw a couple of clips in his bag, and said, Mommy, could you please take me and this machine gun to the protest? in another state so I can play police. She said, sure, baby. Come on, Kyle, let's go. And he would have to be named Kyle, right? He shoots three people, kills two, and in the eyes of much of America, he did nothing wrong. Benny says she can't even look at his face. Oh, that 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 horrible. They should have rehearsed better with the crying thing, right? Uh, it did nothing wrong. Okay. But just follow me here. So dude walks down the middle of the street with an AR-15. There are rumors that the cops saw how upset he was and somebody offered him something to drink, but he just came down waving the gun. You see in the video, and, and he goes past the police and had to turn himself in the next day almost seven years ago to the day when the verdict was given, Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old boy, was playing with a toy gun and was gunned down. So just follow me now. Just follow me now. Follow me how that works. 17-year-old AR-15 shooting people, shot people, walking down the street. Everything is cool. 12-year-old with a super soaker. Not even a super soaker. It was a toy gun. It wasn't even like a big gun. It was a toy gun. And he's gunned down because police feared for their life. AR-15, no fear. 12-year-old plastic gun, fear, kill. Conclusion. 
even with the current laws, even with the current laws, the current bad laws on the books, let me be very clear. If a black pastor in clerical garb and glasses walked down the street in the middle of a protest with an AR-15, waving it back and forth, in any street in America, forget an AR-15, if I was coming down the street in a protest with a super soaker in front of the police, such a preacher would be Swiss cheese before the day was over. And no law, good or bad, could protect him. He wouldn't make it to court. And much of white Christian America would say he deserved it. And you know I'm telling the truth. There is not one black person in America that could have walked down that street with a gun and made it out, much less be acquitted on all counts. He did nothing wrong. The first thing the judge did was to throw out the underage possession charge. How could, how dare us give the 17 year old such a charge that could mess up his life and mess up his future? Where are we so evil? We've always been that way. I don't know if you remember this. Um, I can't think of, uh, in, in, in 2010, y'all won't remember this, but I'll jog your memory. In 2010, 10 months before Gabby Gifford was shot, Sarah Palin posted a map of 20 con congressional districts. She and McCain won in 2008, but whose representatives in, con in Congress? This is what she did. Let me get it. 20 congressional districts that she and McCain won in Congress but whose congresspersons voted for Obamacare. The map marked each district with a set of crosshairs. See, it wasn't the post-Trump era, so we weren't as sensitive to it. But Sarah Palin, yeah, that crazy woman, with, with, with yes, her, S Sarah Palin had posted the 20 districts that her and McCain won whose senators and republic and 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 uh, uh, congresspersons representatives had voted for Obamacare, and she put all of them in crosshairs, and Gabby Gifford was in crosshairs. Why are we so violent? We've always been, and barring an intervention from God. I fear we may always be, not because we want to be, but because we don't have an independent church that loves Jesus more than race. Sad to say, but that is our American story. I want to close tonight with a time of thankfulness. <sighs> What are you thankful for? <laughs> Tracy, I hear you. Over 770 
thousand people, over 770,000 people died from COVID in the last two years. And some of us that's listening to me tonight even lost loved ones. But God has spared our lives. I told you at the onset, I want to talk about Thanksgiving, but I don't want to talk with silly Christians. I'm out here now, so I might as well just let it all loose, right? I don't want to talk about this with silly Christians. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to talk about this with mature Christians that know that God is worthy of our highest praise, even if everything did not turn out as we planned. I don't want to talk to you hyper-faith people that everything you spoke came into existence. I don't want, I'm not, in fact, right now would be a good time to hang up. I don't, I, I don't want to talk to you tonight. I want to talk to mature people that says, I've learned to trust God sometimes through tears. Or somebody that says, I'm learning how to trust God through tears. I, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your law. The people with the, though he slays me. You know, 770,000 people dead. Australia burned for months. The West burned for months. God has spared us. Yeah. These shoes I wanted went on sale and they didn't have my size and I'm disappointed. Man, God is good. No, my sister-in-law died a couple weeks ago. I've attended more funerals this year than I probably every time in my lifetime. But my family is closer than it's ever been. If you don't believe me, get on the prayer call on Wednesday mornings. My church family, my church family, and I'm not saying my church as in my, the pastor church, but the church that I serve and belong to, my church family is closer than I've ever seen a church. I feel horrible sometimes on Wednesdays because we are on there to pray, but y'all like talking to each other and that blesses the life out of me. I hang up saying, Father, I thank you. God don't you know, don't charge us for not spending the whole time praying, but God, I bless you. I honor you. I give you praise. We were out of church for almost two years and picked up a few new members. Many churches didn't survive that, not because the pastors aren't anointed, not because God isn't there or God's in it, but when you don't have proper relationships, it's easy to leave. And let me just say this. If you can just leave a church on the first offense, it's your fault. It's your fault. You know, his statistics say if you form seven meaningful relationships in a church, you probably never leave. And in my younger days, when people talked about leaving, I would say, well, how can we change your mind? So forth and so on. Now, when people talk about leaving, I see if I can help them get settled elsewhere. 
<laughs> because it's on you. Not to, if it's easy to leave, it means you didn't connect enough. I thank God for that every day. I want you to hear from me. I thank God for all of you. I thank God for your partnership in ministry. I thank God that I get to see you grow and mature. I thank God that I had an opportunity to watch some of you in the past year and a half go through untold sorrow and love Jesus in the end. And even in your pain, you say, God, I trust you. So that's maturity. That's maturity. We've got seven minutes. Could you just take the time and just share with everybody what you're most thankful for? I want each of you to know that you're somewhere on the top of my list. I'm thankful for your partnership in life and ministry. We're doing great things together, y'all. We're doing some awesome things together. You know, this is what I found out a long time ago. The important relationships in your life, when they are intact, you know you don't need that much. <laughs> I can't believe that song, Super Great Day, even still lives. <laughs> All right? That song is older than a lot of people that they hear. Who is LL? I know it's not LL. Wouldn't that be why if LL is really LL? And D says he's thankful he survived COVID. D, when I saw you, I wasn't sure you was gonna. <laughs> and you got COVID early when a lot of the medical world didn't know that much how to treat you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Audrey, your 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 gain is our loss. <laughs> Thankful. Thankful. Take a minute to read what everybody's writing. It matters, you guys. It matters. You get to people live and never really stop to to think about the goodness of God in their lives. I'm thankful. I'm not one of those silly Christians running around talking about, you know, I, I don't have any friends. I have a lot of um, associates and all that other kind of food. No, no, no. I got some friends. <laughs> I got a lot of friends. I got some good friends. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Janice, how are you, baby? Amen. See, Janice Sherman is on here. Amen. God bless you. Friends. Friends. Over 40 years. Friends. We haven't fallen out about nothing. We've worked through stuff. Natasha said, I'm thankful for life and family and being in my right state of mind. That's a that's a specialty now. Minister Coleman says, thankful for, oh, Reverend Coleman says, I'm thankful for life, health, and strength. <laughs> uh, 
Kevin Morris says, I'm, 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 I thank God me and my wife got through last year some tough times. Heard Kevin fell out of tree. Diana ended up with a brush with cancer. Oh, listen to this. Garfield suffering a stroke. Dying for her family. So, so many things, guys. Be, be, don't, don't, don't let the world shape you into its mold or the church shape you into its mold. You know, if you listen to some church people in some churches, you can be so busy believing God for what you don't have that you pay absolutely no mind to what he's already done and all that you've been given. Can I challenge you not to let that happen to you? Amen. Thank you, Bridget. Bridget said, thankful for our new bishop. Grateful, grateful to the Lord for his goodness. You know, I've been married about almost 40 years and I love my wife. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But I'm thankful to the Lord that I actually like her. <laughs> and even on the days, even on the days when I wish she would grow a mustache so I can just knock her lights out. <laughs> y'all don't want to hear me say that because y'all want to act like y'all's situation is perfect and you never have those days, but we have those days. I'm sure she never feels that way about me, of course. Who would want to knock me out? I'm such a nice guy. But 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 I have my days. I'm like, if she just grow a mustache, I would knock her lights out. But I kind of like being around the old girl. I'm believing God for some stuff. And if they come, great. But if they don't, he's still worthy to be praised. And I will not let the world or the church have me so futuristic in my thinking that I don't stop to think about all that God has done for me. Pooty Brown says, I'm thankful for the reversal of a layoff notice. I'm grateful for my family's victory over different bouts with mental issues. Overjoyed with Pastor John's testimony. Oh my God, yes. Please, uh, Mr. Coleman, you can share this indeed. Let me tell you something. You hang around like prophetic people and faith people and all that stuff, those name it and claim it, and I'm prophetic, I'm faith, I'm name it and claim it, but I'm talking about when it gets to the point that we sell a lie, that, that life doesn't come with trials and the, the, the righteous don't suffer many afflictions, even though they're living holy. And, and, and we start looking at that stuff and start missing out on the fact that, but God, you've been so good. You've done so many great things. You know, Sonia says, my my uh, my my aunt died from COVID-19 two years ago tomorrow. My son's got COVID-19 for being essential workers. I had it. We are still here to praise God. Thankful for my family. Wow. <laughs> Bridget said, Derby probably thinks the same about me sometimes. Not Bridget. You know? <laughs> Ms. Donna said, Bridget, his name is Darren. <laughs> thank you, Phyllis. Kelly said, thank you for my family. And one more time to get it right. Had a stroke and COVID twice, but I'm still here. I thank God for my living word family pulling me back when I couldn't see my way. Bishop Miller, thank you. Hey, Tracy, thankful for life, health, strength. I am thankful for my right mind and my reasonable health, my family, friends, and my church. I'm thankful for the desire to continue to walk with the Lord. 
And guess what? We haven't thanked God for anything yet that cost a dime. So if you see this smile on my face that I'm talking to mature Christians, not people who have thingified, there's another word, who have thingified the blessings of God and can only see it when it materializes in things and not realizing that the greatest blessings that you have are, are, are delivered to you in people. That's the blessings. That's the real gift. And that's what we thank God for. Listen, the food on Thanksgiving, should the Lord spare life, is going to be off the hook in mine, and I trust it will be in yours. But the truth of the matter, we have that anytime we want. And people everywhere have that. But for what we have around us, the people, you know how wonderful it is to come to church on Sunday, not only just to meet Jesus, but to meet people you actually like being around and looking forward to see. Can I just help you all with what's important and what's valuable and what's a blessing and what you can take for granted or, or, or act as if it's regular and normal and everybody got it? That's why I get on some of you when you allow petty nonsenses to rob your joy and to rob your relationship and make you withdraw and all that stuff. I know you think your cause is legitimate, but it's not. It's not. As much as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembly. It doesn't say don't forsake the assembly if you're getting along with everybody. I'm grateful. Bridget, that's not a true statement. Bridget said, because I think my turkey is the best. Somebody please correct her for me. Because if I do, it's going to seem self-serving. I don't think my turkey is the best. It's not quite to the fact of biblical truth, but it's up there. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. Bertha said, I'm thankful it's, his blood never loses its power. He is faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness every day. Still washed and still cleansed and still forgiven. Hey, I am really thankful the pastor and even those of you that attend other churches that I get to serve you in any kind of way and that you're growing in the Lord. I can really say y'all aren't silly Christians at all. You're growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that keeps a smile on my face like you wouldn't believe. I pray for you. Hey, join me Thanksgiving morning, not for a sermon, not for a service. Maybe you can call it a homily just for a few moments. I just want to share a Thanksgiving homily with you on behalf of myself and the leadership of our church. So if you're, if, if you're not too preoccupied, please. Um, <laughs> Join us nine o'clock um, Thanksgiving morning. We won't be having church in the sanctuary for, for many reasons. Uh, let, let me see if I can read a couple more. Um, Sonia said, Miss Bridget, you may think it. Marvin says it. I say the same to him. Yes, y'all need to get your life right. Um, Bridget also thinks the Cowboys is... Uh, <laughs> is going to the Super Bowl. So delusional. You're a mature Christian, but you're delusional. Um, that's not going to happen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, thank you all for joining me tonight. I hope I'm, I turned the corner well enough 
to make sure the last thing on our hearts tonight is the good God that we serve, the good God that we serve. Um, I saw, uh, um, I saw, I see that, babe. I saw um, a message from uh, Sister Beverly Garrison today, and I didn't know whether to worship or cry. because I love seeing the soldiers of the Lord just square their shoulders and say, yet I trust him. Yet I trust him. Amen. Thanksgiving morning is 9, 9 a.m. 9. Right. I kept it at 9, so the time will be familiar to you, so there'll be no confusion. Ah, oh, Sheila Corbin says she thanked God for her parents her mama, well, she probably should have switched the order around. Uh, for her parents, her mama's food, and keeping us all in the pandemic. Listen, if you ever had her mama's food, go try it, Lord Jesus. Anything she cooked. I'll tell you right now, you got a pair of shoes that you want to throw out, take it, take it to Betty Corbin and tell her cooking for you. I'm telling you right now, she can hook that shoe up like you wouldn't believe. She'll make you eat it. She got skills. I love you guys so much. This is good. Stay mature, y'all. Don't get silly. You don't have to wax eloquent and be philosophical and make sure all your things rhyme and sound futuristic and destiny oriented and, and Jedi mind tricks, how you can think your way into some great possibility or anything of the sort. You can just love Jesus. And even when you feel like he's slain, you can still trust him because that God who serves is able. We read the book. We know how the story ends. And even if he has some bad chapters, we know in the end we win and they'll wait till we get there to crown him Lord. And we will be a part of that great celebration. And we must never lose sight of that because Christ in us is still the hope of glory in the name of the Lord Jesus. I got to read Pastor John's. So I thank the Lord for bringing me through um, sciatic back pain, COVID, two heart transplants, kidney failure, and the, lo the loss of my natural senses, all to the glory of God, all to the glory of God. Listen, I can't even, I, I'm going to wait till he come back to tell you the story of what he remembers. But there was a little time there in the hospital between transplants when he actually did lose his mind. Actually just was completely out of his mind. And to Tanya and to Adriana, I apologize again for what I said and how I said it to your father, but that's, that's my man. I wasn't going to sit there and have him talking silly. All right. Listen, uh, keep in mind, thank you, Minister Coleman, I say it again, we know how the story ends. That's why we're not anxious. The world is tripping. They don't know what's behind the door. And we don't either. We don't have to be that prophetic that we know every twist, and we don't. But we just read the book. We know how it ends. And we're at the end. We're alive. We win. <laughs> One more time. We win. Paul says, even, even if this earthly house of this tabernacle get dissolved, I got another building. So you, you tear this building down, no big deal. I got another one, not made with hands, and that one is eternally there. Man, you gotta, uh, you got you got you gotta just fall in love with this book. I gotta read um, uh, Mother Ann Smooth. She says, "Thank God for His love and grace," and Sister Cookie. 
uh, she's calling her sister Cookie, but that's her baby. That's 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 her daughter, um, <laughs> who turned into my mother, um, <laughs> Bill Jr. and all my family. Cookie's a lot of people's mother, but she's your she's your daughter and your mother now. So we thank God for that. Amen. Hey Vic, good to hear you, son. Good to have you on, guys. Remember, we do win. We win. He gets crowned Lord, and we reign with him forever. So no matter what this life gives, no matter how it turns. Whether, whether your prayers get answered or things turn out in your favor or anything of the sort. We have faith to believe and we trust God until the end. But let me say this, in the end, we win. The foundation of God stands sure and we will reign with him. So we come out on top. So you ain't got to jump, no matter who's behind the door. You can't lose. We serve the living Christ. May the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. May you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Join us. Listen, if you're watching and you haven't subscribed, Vic, so good to see you on Victor Brush. So good to see you on tonight. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. I'd love to talk with you and share with you. Thanksgiving morning, maybe 10, 15 minutes max. Amen. I just want to share a brief homily with you about the goodness of the Lord and Thanksgiving. All right. Until next time, this is your friend and pastor, Pastor Cedric Miller. And I'm going to get used to saying Bishop Miller one day because it sounds like my father. But amen. Praise the Lord. Saying good night. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Good night.